Good morning for the Met Radio Morning Mixtape. I am Donovan LaCroxy, and debuting on the show, I've got actress, and I'm going to say the jack of all trades, Samora Smallwood. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good. Remember, we were talking just off interview about that jack of all trades. Do you want to explain that to our listeners? Yes. I used to hold back on some of the offerings I felt I had. And I know that this resonates so much. You see Issa Rae, Donald Glover, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, people in this entertainment space who you try to limit what you offer. I feel like it's so outdated. So that saying, jack of all trades, a friend, a lovely dear friend recently sent me the quote. And it was originally something like, don't hold it against me if I don't get it exactly right, jack of all trades, master of none, better a jack of all trades than master of one. Ooh, that's deep. But you know what? You do everything, don't you? I'm dipping my toe in, Donovan. I'm dipping my toe in. I got a lot of gifts. I got a lot of love and curiosity and enthusiasm, and I want to share it. Okay. (laughs) Actress, right? See? Check. Director? We. Okay. Yeah. Check. Um, Writer? Oh, yeah. Check. What don't we do? We're producing. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. (laughs) We're creating. We're <laughs> you changing see the why landscape. I said Jack of all, but you just broke it down to our listeners what that meant. But for listeners that really don't know you, do you want to say how you got into the industry? Sure. I could say how I got in the industry. I'll save you the boring tale of being a precocious, loquacious child and just tell you that I love storytelling from the jump. I'm half uh, West African and half Newfoundlander. And both those cultures are very steeped in storytelling. So I think I loved it forever. The path and access to the industry is a long one. I, I did get my my degree in, uh, in fine arts and studied, but the most fun part about the industry started when I came here to Toronto and uh, and New York actually started. That's where I did my first on-screen performance, a short film in New York City. All right. What was yeah. that called? Um, it was called Subway. We filmed a guerrilla style on the subway and in Central Park. It was wild. Those are pre-union days. <laughs> wow. Wow. That was a theater one, right? Or no? No, it was a short film okay. that uh, a filmmaker in New York made. I went and auditioned proper and everything while I was there. So Okay. All right. And then... Today, how are you feeling about the arts? I feel really good. I feel excellent about the arts. The industry went through a couple of hiccups recently. You know, we have the strike. Canadian performers under the ACTRA agreement are still locked out of the commercial agreement. Um, and then we had the the panty, mm-hmm. right? But now it's really exciting. Um, I just saw the IOTSE list of everything coming back to Toronto. It's really great. We have a stable tax credit here. And now I'm a working actor in Canada and the U.S. I did uh-huh. my first U.S. film feature last year. We shot it in Chicago. Ooh. And uh, I'm very blessed and lucky to say that I am a working uh, and busy booked actor. All right. And what is that like being a booked actress? Because, you know, there's some actors and actresses that do complain. I'm not getting the parts I want. I'm not getting the leads. I'm not getting this. But when you said booked, do you want to tell our listeners that? So it looks like there's lots of opportunities in this industry. There are lots of opportunities in this industry, but I do like to think about it. Like, say your car breaks down or better yet, you're driving and you see someone's car broke down and they're like flagging you down. You're looking at that person like they might be a killer. I'm not trying to pull over for you flagging me down. You got mace in your pocket. Who knows? Chloroform on a tissue. 
But if you see someone while you're driving and they're pushing their car up the ramp trying to get to the gas station and they're helping themselves, I'm so much more likely to hop out and lend a hand. In fact, this winter I did. A bunch of us were helping this guy get out of the snow. So that's how I think I would talk to actors or anyone wanting to get into an industry like the entertainment industry. Uh, you can't sugarcoat it. It is a hustle. You have to have a work ethic. You have to have a passion and a vision for what you want to create. And if you do that and you're willing to help yourself, I find people will come who want to help you and jump on board. But I want to be a star. You want to be a star. <laughs> <laughs> I think you are a star. <laughs> well, I am a star. Yes, look but... at that smile. <laughs> well, I do have a nice smile. Yeah. Okay, but if, if people do say, I want to be a star, what do you say to that? Because that can mean so different. Some just want to make money. They don't care. I want to make money. I want to be that Will Smith. I'm sorry, I'm trying to even say that with a straight face. <laughs> Will Smith's a very talented man. Very talented actor, but of course, personal life aside, yeah. I want to be that no, Will Smith. If you book. <laughs> I want to be that Will Smith. I want to be that Morgan Freeman. I want to be that Anne Hathaway. What do you say to that where they just want to make that big check? Well, I would say you've named a lot of really established actors who also won awards for their craft. So I have those feelings too. You want to be recognized and more importantly, do emotionally resonant work. If you're in it just for the cash, this is like a wild way to choose that. This is an industry that I would not, and even when I meet young actors who or emerging actors who say that's their goal, that that's not the way. I feel the universe rewards you when you have a passion and a vision and you put in that work. That's the only way that I know how to do it. But what's exciting about today's day and age is that you can create your own work. And again, if you're putting in the work and you're constantly getting better and you have a vision, you'll align with people who want to help you. And then those people who want to help you will see that work ethic and are more likely to listen to your ideas. So when you think about some of the people I look up to, Donald Glover, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Issa Rae, these are people who jump-started their own acting career by saying, I have a voice, I have a vision, I want to create something. And in the interim, I'm going to do all these fun, cool acting jobs and make money but I'm building something so much bigger. Mm-hmm. Well, you are, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Aren't you, Aren't we writing our own stuff? Yes, from the mind of Samora Smallwood. All right. It is loading. Well, let's get into your mind. Talk to our listeners. What do we like to write about? What's on our heart? I founded a production company called Hold One Entertainment. Ooh. And in fact, I was just in Ottawa for prime time. I was one of the black screen offices delegates. So they sent a delegation of producers. Congratulations. Thank you. It was so fun because we got to meet all these different execs, studio and network execs, to pitch your projects. Um, and it was a really great experience. So it is a black and female-owned production company that I want to create meaningful projects that are both critically and commercially successful that center women's voices, black voices, and just a different lens on traditional genres. My favorite genre is the mystery crime thriller Ooh. genre. I love the mystery crime thriller genre. Um, and so many of my favorite writers in that space are phenomenal. They craft the most beautiful stories. But from the mind of Samora Smallwood means putting a black lens, a female lens, truly empowered, complex, nuanced female characters at the center, center of these traditionally male-dominated narratives and then just see what happens. All right. Yeah. So we do it, right? Oh, yeah. So let's say I'm a female what can I look out for in these projects? What can make me glued to these projects as a female between 18 to 49, the demographic, for Oh, example? yeah. 
women in this space love true crime. So I'm sure, and every a lot of people do, not just women. People love true crime. And what's really great about um, the mystery crime thriller genre now, because the data has so strongly shown that female audiences are showing up for this content, you see amazing projects that really center on, when I talk about diverse storytelling, I don't just mean diversity on screen. I think we're so far past the box checking diversity and people have fatigue for that, even the community seeking the representation themselves. But I mean the storytelling. If you look at Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You for HBO, Showtime's Yellow Jackets, Mayor of Easttown on HBO. There are so many series that are mystery crime thrillers, but have themes that are heart hitters for women, right? Family, belonging, identity, love, all of that stuff tidally explored within a riveting tension-filled mystery crime thriller. That's what I'm looking for. And I think that's what female audiences really like. And also for so long, we allowed men to be unlikable on screen or make questionable decisions. And in real life, we meet people all the time. No one's perfect. We all make mistakes. That's what I like to see. Sometimes a character who's just like, oh, why are you doing it? Right now I'm watching HBO's True Detective Night Country with Callie Reese, the boxer. She's so an indigenous performer. Amazing. And Jodie Foster, both of them. I'm just like constantly every episode. What are you doing? Why do you do it? And it's the why that keeps me glued mm. to my screen and the why that keeps me rooting for them because they're protecting a community. They're protecting missing and murdered indigenous women. They're wanting to stand up for their families, make their communities better. That's the kind of storytelling that I want to take. Uh, sorry, that's the kind of storytelling I want to tell because I think we are all ready to break the generational cycles of trauma and of pain in the communities. And there's a way to do that that does not exploit people and that does not make you feel shame it actually is a celebration of forgiveness and love and that's the mystery crime thriller i want to tell right 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 and what are these projects what's their names in case these ladies want to check them out or anyone because we have men too that want to celebrate and are empowered women you know a thousand percent there are t there are so many male characters in my stories that i love and are near and dear to my heart um, and when it comes to the male audience i always like to think about it like a helicopter man in your life where, you know, I'll be sitting there watching a show and maybe my partner is wandering around and is like, huh, well, what's her deal mm -hmm. looking at the screen? And then he walks by and sees those characters talking. And what are they dealing with? Mm -hmm. What's their story? And then he's sitting and watching, which we did for years, right? For so long, we would watch stories that were male-centered or were consistently white-centered stories and had very little representation on screen. So now it's time to uh, flip that. But one of the projects I'm very excited about mm -hmm. is a feature film that I wrote. It's called Betten D. Ooh. And it is a modern day Thelma and Louise. Okay. A crime adventure drama. All right. Starring two badass mixed chicks. All right. Something pops off just like in Thelma and Louise and they go on the run. So again, as we talked about a minute ago, uh, a traditional genre which feels familiar, crime, adventure, mystery, thriller. And at the root of it is a healing and a forgiveness and a redemption journey between two flawed human beings. Mm -hmm. Now talk about that. Crime, thriller, suspense. They can have positive endings, right? Do you just want to tell the listeners that? Because when some listeners think about that, they're thinking, uh, how can crime, suspense, thrillers have positive endings when someone's always on the run or somebody did a crime? What's so positive about that? I love you. You are such a good communicator and you are so good at this. You just reminded me of something I totally forgot to say. It's a modern day Thelma and Louise, but our gals don't die at the end. Ah. And for my series, which, you know, the lawyers are lawyering and doing their thing, so I can't talk much about that. But um, that's a part of how I pitch it is saying, you know, in that mystery crime thriller space, 
generally speaking, it can be very bleak. I'm a believer that it doesn't have to be bleak. Mm-hmm. Right, A mystery crime thriller can have a happy ending. I think audiences are ready to root for it. And I'm so glad you had your finger on the pulse. And you asked about Because I honestly know what yeah. you mean. Sometimes mm-hmm. if you go into a project and you know it's going to be like a trauma tale or, you know, trauma mm-hmm. story. I'm You're just about to use a word I can't it. use here. Yeah. Like, for example, the movie Precious. We remember that movie 15 well. years ago, right? <laughs> It's not a movie I could watch three or four times. It's not even a movie I wanted to even watch once. It was a good movie, but I couldn't watch it two or three times. Because that's what I mean when I ask the question. Because you said there can be a positive ending to suspense, thrillers, mystery, right? So do you just want to set that record again to the listeners? Because they're not thrilled so far. They still think, yeah, wait till the end. Exactly. I totally hear you um, because I can't do that either. I think we as a global community have been through so much in the past few years that sitting there, I mean, and watching something you know is going to hurt and you know is going to re-traumatize you, I can't do. So I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's my real heart. I'm such an optimistic, positive person. I like to uplift a space and I do truly believe that despite what some um, outlets show us that people are good at heart. Um, So in my lens on the mystery crime thriller genre from the mind of Samora Smallwood wanting to show that there is a way to help heal your communities. There's a way to make your families better and your own life better. So I'm so glad that you touched on that because I think that audiences want that. And when when I'm crafting stories in that genre or any stories, all of the stuff that we're developing, um, Hold One Entertainment, we have a slate of character-driven TV and film projects at different uh, varying stages of development right now. It's very exciting. Um, it's also a business strategy. Like when you have a product you want to take to market, you have to know what the market is like. What's the temperature? What are people watching? I think it's a big mistake to just focus on the creative. Um, and I that's a huge consideration. It's strategic because there's a lot of fatigue happening now. I, I won't get into naming names because I respect a lot of the filmmakers, but there was some really impactful projects that were released in the past 18 to 24 months that did not do as well as, as maybe was predicted. And I think it is because audiences are just taking a little bit of a pause from something that feels needlessly bleak or overly traumatic and is going to open old wounds. That said, If you're going to talk about something like missing and murdered indigenous women or the trauma that occurs in uh, and the violence against women in a mystery crime thriller or crime in a community, as you mentioned, there are going to be some dark parts of that. But I think when you, in terms of diversity and representation, you have more people at the table, green lighting projects in decision making positions with creative control on a project that organically what you won't see is that exploitation and you won't see the really needlessly bleak stuff that works pulling away from a little bit as audiences. Right, right, right. And just remind our brothers and sisters that the brother or sister does not die first. (laughs) Because you know, I told you this off interview, they're quick to kill the brother and the sister immediately. Yeah. There was one movie, well not, I saw a clip on Daniel's thing the other day of Emmanuel being on the building dead. So I'm just saying, I know that movie wasn't really called Thriller. I'm just saying the brothers are quick to die in every movie and the sisters. That's what my my point is. I know. Okay. So for that project that you're talking about, I feel like that character who dies is the main character. So there's likely an arc and a a whole story involved in a character's (laughs) redemption there. I don't know the project that intimately, but I'm just going to say, but what you're talking about that I feel is very true is when you watch something and as soon as that brother or sister walks into the scene and going at that zombie or grabbing a gun, you already know. Boom. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah. I'm just over it. I think <laughs> we all it are. I'm over Unless it's tongue-in-cheek like and the said, creators are making a joke. You changed it up. You changed up that narrative. Do you want to tell the listeners? You've changed that, that we don't see a sister. They get the gun, and next thing you know, you see her bleeding all over the floor, and she's dead. Yes, 100%. I think that it's just... It's not that entertaining. I think it's so flat. And I think audiences, we're all so busy in life now. You know, capitalism doing what it does. We have so much to do that if I'm going to choose to watch something, it has to be so fulfilling. And generally speaking, I'll give something like a solid 15 minutes before I'm out of there. So a simple example, because I know a lot of this diversity talk and representation talk, sometimes people who are not as rooted in advocacy as I am, they kind of just like inwardly groan. But one simple way to think about it is for so long, you would see, say, a female identifying character who is married to this lead man in the story. And all we know is the hinge she has to him in her role to him. Wife, mother, maybe she's got some kids. And that's all we see of her experience on screen is her in service to others. I would like to tell storytelling that includes what is her life about? What does she care about? What does she do in her life that matters to her beyond her service to this husband lead character and her kids? And the same goes for black characters, LGBTQ plus characters. What is in your world that matters and resonates with you? Because that's how you activate those audience members. I'm telling you, I watched a thriller recently and the wife had this whole other life. And I and the writer so seamlessly tied it into the themes at hand. I thought it was so beautiful. And that really helped me feel seen. So I'm more likely to rewatch something that they create. And I'm more likely to stay on that streamer. I'm more likely to rewatch those episodes. And I'm more likely to just watch, period. So mm. I think that's the goal for creators now is how do you keep audiences glued? Um, yeah. Mm. Keep them glued. Keep them on the streamer. And keep them talking about it. Because right. the internet is what it... It is. People get online and they talk. We want talk. them to talk about your projects, don't we? Yeah. And what about a part two to some of these projects? Could we do a part two or a part three? Well, both the series that are further along in development have a number of seasons. So this is exciting. There's lots of stuff going on. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Could we turn it eventually into a TV show, maybe a TV miniseries? That came up yesterday, actually, Donovan. I just want us to take this opportunity, sure. though, for anyone listening here who are my dear friends, comrades, associates, lovers in my real life. This is what I've been doing with my time and why I've not been in these streets. It's not you. It's me, baby. And when all of this stuff rolls out, everyone who's like, where? are you is going to um see the very good reason for it i hope all i right. love you all well so the listeners know my question she knows she's laughing because my questions are hitting hard yes <laughs> <laughs> you're really good at it all right so let's hear about the tv what are you what are we working on in tv land as an actor yes oh, so many exciting things i just want to say to anyone listening find me online i'm at samora gloria this is not a shameless plug it's to say i really do mean that when i say i love to uplift and empower because it's hard for me to talk about all of the amazing abundance prosperity and blessings in my life when i do care about the community so much and i know there are a lot of people who aren't working or are building step by step to get to that place so that is something i believe in very much so for myself i've had a very lovely time I I worked on a number of films and TV projects over the strike. I was very blessed to work consistently over that time. And then I have a miniseries pilot. I'm one of the leads that is shooting in April okay. here in Canada. And I, what I'm so excited about is one of my favorite creators in the entire world is a woman named Janine sherman Burwa. She created, owns The Kings of Napa, which yeah. I was a star of. And she wrote hundreds of episodes of Criminal Mind. She created TNT's Claws with Nisi Nash. Yes. So and she, how was that on the OWN network with that project? I mean, it was fabulous. What can you say? Oprah's a part of the creative team running your, your ship and you get to like... <laughs> 
feel the presence of an Oprah Winfrey. And Janine Sherman Berois is absolutely a magical manifester black woman who makes sure that there's representation in every single department. And she is a lovely, lovely person. The thing I'm most excited about coming out on Apple TV this year is a series that she also created. It is called The Big Cigar. Um, she's a co-creator, showrunner of that. And it is about the Huey P. Newton story when he absconded to Cuba. Um, it's fabulous. It's a, it's lovely. It stars Andre Holland, and there are so many amazing actors in it. And you said Don would cheat. Don Cheadle was our director. Yes, that's what I was just about to point ah! out. Yes. It was phenomenal. So when we did the table read for that, I was actually at a conference at, at Banff talking with network, network executives and studio executives. It's been a manifesto-ish mission yes. right now, Donovan. We're going to do it. Yes. <laughs> and you get on a call and you see all of these recognizable people that you look up to and respect. And Don Cheadle is a phenomenal actor. And not only that, a total advocate. This man shows up for the community and he's razor sharp intellect. So smart. And I knew I loved Don Cheadle from time as an artist. But when you talk to this man, his advocacy comes up naturally in his work and he mentions his wife. And as we talked about a minute ago, full circle moment, it's not just how she hinges to him, supports him. He is so about uplifting the women in his in his world. And I felt very seen and heard and collaborative working with Don Cheadle on the project. I can't wait for it to come out. Mm, okay, okay, okay. Apple TV. And there are so many other things I'm probably forgetting now. I have a number, I have five or six projects coming out this year. And I'm I'm on I'm back on season two right now of The Way Home. It's Hallmark's runaway hit show. All right. And what's I, the way home about? We didn't talk about that. What's that about? It is a very cool departure for Hallmark because it is a story of intergenerational uh, female-led story. Andy McDowell is the matriarch of the Landry family, and they've suffered a terrible loss in the past. They, their little brother disappeared. And Kyler Lee, Supergirl's Kyler Lee, she's a phenomenal actress. She plays my best friend on the show, or I play her best friend. And she is wanting to fix this generational trauma in her family. So it's such a great, again, we're landing the plane, Donovan, about how you can tell these impactful, emotionally resonant stories without turning audiences away from those themes of family and healing, forgiveness and love. So there's a pond. It's a mm. magical pond in the show that la- allows you to time travel. Yeah, yeah, and that's good. What do you want to encourage listeners that they haven't got to experience a real project that's groundbreaking, that when they watch this, they'll say, wow, I want to watch again, or what a story. What do you want to tell listeners to get them into storytelling where they can sit down and actually watch a story? My first piece of uh, advice or yeah, what I have to advice, say. Just what you have to say, because we're, <laughs> we've been talking about it all through this interview. Yes. That we want listeners to just, you know, we don't want them to predict what's going to happen. Yeah. Somebody's going to die. We know. We want them to sit down and actually say, wow, what do you want to tell them? Yes. OK. Um, the three things I would probably say in that regard is if you're going to watch something at home, a TV show or a film, because sometimes I get it, you can't make it to the theater, just put your phone away. Put your phone away and really commit to the storytelling. That's super important. I have to do it. If I'm watching something like last night watching True Detective, I have to put my phone in the other room because we're just conditioned as a society to be on your phone and you can't appreciate the storytelling if you do that. Um, And I would also say try and get back to the cinema. I have reinvigorated what I used to do, take myself on a date once a week. Okay. I go get drinks and dinner by myself. I like to do that by myself. Isn't it nice? You don't have to talk to anybody and you don't have to let anyone pick what you're going to eat, drink or watch. Yeah. 
I like it. Yeah. Go back to the cinema. <laughs> and then the third thing I was going to say is don't read reviews. Don't read reviews. Just watch something okay. without reading a review first because you might really love it. I, I think now because social media is so prevalent and there's a lot of uh, homogeny and being yourself, we're losing the feeling of your authentic voice mattering and your vision mattering. So people always want to hear what someone else says or thinks before they agree to like something. Just use your voice. As long as you're not being homophobic, transphobic, racist, misogynistic, as long as you are saying things from kindness and wanting to build goodwill and being a good listener as well, I think you should just, people need to get more comfortable with their own opinion and authentic voice. Do not look at the reviews. I have to do this myself. I love reviews. Like mm -hmm. Rotten Tomatoes, I absolutely love it, but I won't look at it until after I've I've watched. It. Okay, yeah. so those are the tips you'd give to the Put listeners. Put your phone away and stop reading the reviews. Well, and I get back to the cinema. That movie sucked, though. I read the review, though, honey. <laughs> right, but you might have found something you liked about it. Mm. You might have really liked a film. And yeah. then after that, you think, you know what? I'm glad I went to see the movie. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Happens to me all the time. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm glad I got to see your project too. Thank you. I'll send you links to so much stuff. There's so many yes. things. Yes. I have a short film called Sarah that was at the Holly Shorts Film Festival in Los Angeles this summer. What was that about? It is about a woman who, you know, the filmmaker Jess Hinks, and she wrote and directed it. And she wrote me the most lovely letter to invite me to the project. And it's her true story of finding out that she had cancer and had to have a hysterectomy in her 30s. So it's the moment at the airport she's flying to see her mother and she gets the call from the oncology department wow. at St. Mike's that she has uh, wow. uterine cancer and has to have her uterus removed. It's wild. <sighs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot to take in. But they leave you thinking, right? Your stories always leave you thinking. And if you watch it, you will see when we talk about having that actual representation where there's a woman who it's her real story that she wrote and directed it. And then an actress like me who always stands up for her characters and never wants to make someone a victim, even if they're going through something. That sounds like a heavy topic, but it's extremely uplifting. What you see on screen and what I'm so proud of is the resilience of humans when we're faced with adversity you still move forward you put one foot in front of the other mm. there's stuff to do there's things to learn and life goes on right and that is the message the uplifting empowering hopeful message of the film right so how do you advocate for yourself as a woman if you feel you're being underpaid within the entertainment industry and we've had women of color especially recently taraji p henson mm, speaking out about the color purple, what do you say to women that minority women where they feel they've been undervalued in the entertainment industry? What's your message to them? Oof. I say, get your paper, girl. Get as much money as you can. That's my <laughs> message to myself, too. It's that coming home, coming home. That's a part of the manifesto-ish message, which is you have to know your value and your worth. And getting outside of that and asking for what you're worth is like awkward sometimes. So I have conversations with my rep about that all the time. I'm nowhere near the level of making as much money as Taraji P. Henson makes, but that day is coming. I think what she spoke to that I found most impactful, because it's hard for regular people to relate to a Hollywood actress complaining about her paycheck. I get that, is she was the star of, of Empire. She's the reason people watched it. And she should have made more money likely for that project. And then to see that career kind of um, flourish or not blossom in the way she may have wanted to afterwards is the real conversation, I think. And Viola Davis has spoken at length about this. Not the financial piece as much. Viola Davis more was saying people are always telling her she's the black Meryl Streep, she's the black this or that, but then pay me like a Meryl Streep, offer me roles like a Meryl Streep. And Viola Davis is one of the finest actors ever. 
mm-hmm. ever. Woman King is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is ask for your money and then just have a favored nations conversation. Octavia Spencer and Jessica Chastain had that on a project where we're going to have transparency about who all the top of line cast, what we're making. Um, and sometimes that's a contractual thing that I think is helpful. But I did a project recently and um, I was a number one and my number two and I would talk openly about, OK, what are you making? What am I making? Right. And I think that as awkward as it can be to talk about money, I think the people in society who generally historically have controlled the purse strings do talk about money. Right. I think the idea of not talking about money or talking about money as shameful is a little sleight of hand and trick they pass down to us to say, don't y'all talk about money, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you talk about money and then now you want to unionize and now everybody wants to be fairly compensated. Now everybody wants to be protected. Oh, you know what he made, and now you want what he made for the exact same work? Because up at the top, I think they are talking about money. Right. But then sometimes if you advocate for yourself, you're labeled as difficult. Yeah. How do you take that when they do call you, you're difficult to work with? I had or... a very, very, very awkward conversation like that on set this season, this this year on a show <laughs> that I was on. Um, someone, uh, yeah, an awkward conversation where I had to choose to be difficult in order to advocate for myself mm-hmm. um, on a hair and equity mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. Will it get you blackballed sometimes? I don't know. I think the fear of reprisal is very strong. I think it's also how you handle it and how you uh, speak to issues. I think you do. I do. I do believe in having to stand up for myself. Like you have to um but it's about having a conversation and letting people know that's actually offensive when you say and do that why aren't there more people of color in the hair and makeup trailer especially if you have a cast of color and now that you have a cast of color why don't you know how to do my hair and now why are you crying Mm. now the tears now it's all about you could we maybe not you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so being an advocate is really important for yourself and it's good to have that advocacy but it doesn't necessarily get you canceled, right? No, I think that it's like, ooh, I don't know if I can say that word. This word? Can I say that? <laughs> yeah, okay. You can't, uh, you can't be a dick. You just mm-hmm. can't be a dick in the world. You have to treat people fairly, right? And I am that person who I don't just believe in advocating for myself. I'm always, who is the most vulnerable person here in a space? Who has the most at stake? Who has the most to lose? Mm-hmm. And who, if they were to speak up for their rights, would most likely face consequences. And that's how I'm thinking in every space that I go. It's just because I'm so rooted in advocacy. So a lot of the times I'm that person. And then when you talk about that intersectionality, race, gender, class, you know, Taraji P. Henson is talking about that, right? She's a woman and she's also black. Mm -hmm. So it makes it kind of difficult. And I can imagine very infuriating to make so... Remember the Sony hack? Yeah. Right? How infuriating is that? Amy Adams and Jennifer Lawrence are the stars of that film. They didn't freaking make as much as Jeremy Renner. He's a phenomenal actor, but come on, that scene with the two of them the bathroom and that whole like come on Mm -hmm. madness wow madness Mm -hmm. so just all across the board with women across the board in the entertainment industry pay equity is what do you call still a thing talked about right Mm -hmm. and this goes back to the conversation about going to the cinema when you were like what would you say to to audience members because jennifer lawrence also was really cool saying like of course a leonardo dicaprio is going to make more money than i do on the adam mckay film that they did don't look up because he's bringing more people to the cinema that i get so i respect that i respect somebody who's going to speak to all angles of it i think that's the future but in going to the cinema if you see a movie that you like and you'd like to see more of it made then just go see it Mm -hmm. see it and you can even buy here in canada cineplex is right along you don't want to leave the house i mean they charge you 
a pretty penny, I think $25 to watch that movie. But you get a bunch of people together, it makes it worth it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Did you want to throw out your social media platforms in case some of our listeners, they want to get to know you? They want to get to know some of these projects. I would love to. I have my personal social media is at Samora Gloria. And I love to celebrate others. That's one thing that I really do believe in. You should not just celebrate people who are famous or that you don't know. Um, So I'm huge on that. Follow me at Samora Gloria. I would love to see you there and see and check out what you're doing. And then I have a studio, the Actors Work Studio, that uh, offers masterclasses, workshops, so much we do <laughs> we do a lot and uh, i won't mention the other plat uh, the other platforms there's some there's some wild stuff going on some of the platforms you know people saying and doing weird things and i just brought on a social media uh, member of my team who's okay. going to launch into the tiktok and all that other space i just don't have the bandwidth for that okay. but i have tons of stuff to share all right do you do a tiktok challenge uh not yet but i will okay yeah you can do a tiktok challenge of you winning an award Exactly. Okay. Yes. Should I do a TikTok challenge? Yeah. Canadian that's... Screen Award winner right here. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. You could do that Canadian Screen Award winner, and then you can hold up your award on TikTok, right? What about when I win my Emmy? Okay. My first Emmy, my first Golden Globe, my first Oscar. Manifesting your ish. Yes. There, right? That's it. All day, <laughs> every day. <laughs> and that's going to happen for you. What about when you win an Oscar? Um. What about it? Well, you are going to win it, aren't you? Are you asking what I would do, what I would wear? Well, we don't need to know. We want to see you on TikTok holding that bad boy up. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I already know. I can totally envision it. I just watched Mahershala Ali's Oscar speech yesterday for a little inspo. Have you seen the film Moonlight? No, I have not. Is it good? Incredibly. Yeah. I watched it just yesterday. He's one of my favorite actors. All right. I'm manifesting. We're going to work together. All right. Any final five-second things you'd love to tell Met Radio? I would love to say thank you. (laughs) If you're still here listening, I appreciate you being here. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Donovan. And I would love to say to people, I know the world is a little bit wild right now, but whatever dream that you have or vision for yourself that you have, you are so worthy of it. Just keep going towards that goal. Don't listen to the outside noise. I believe in you. I believe in myself. You have exactly what it takes to manifest your ish. All right. Well, we're going to manifest. Well, I'm going to see you at the top too with your Oscar. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. For Met Radio 1280 AM, I am Donovan LaCroixie. I would love to thank friend of the show, actress, and so much more to her. You can throw out your name again. Samora Smallwood. Thank you. And thank you to the listeners for listening to this episode.